0: This episode is made possible by Armoire. I love genius companies founded by women and armoire is one of them. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days and then when you're ready for new clothes you just swap them out for more new to you styles. To me, solves so many issues I struggle with today. The biggest one being accumulation of stuff. Let's face it, women wanna feel on trend and fresh in their clothes, so we like to shop for new clothes often. But I also get overwhelmed when I have too much to choose from, which happens after years of shopping. I forget what clothes I have and I end up wearing the same thing over and over armoire allows you to rent high quality designer clothing for every occasion and then send it back whether you're planning your outfit for a date night packing for a conference or in need of a gown for a black tie event you will be the best dressed person in the room without ever having to brave a department store fitting room with those unflattering fluorescent lights again Trust me, your overly cramped closet and the environment will thank you. Right now, my listeners can give armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit Armoire.style/heel. That's armoir heel to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to The Heal Podcast. I'm Kelly Noonan-Gores, and every week I speak to the leading doctors, healers, spiritual teachers, and scientists to find out what is truly possible when it comes to healing. I also interview real people with extraordinary healing stories. My philosophy is, what's possible for one is possible for all. Today's episode will blow your mind. I got the pleasure of interviewing Dr. Jill Bolte-Taylor, who is a Harvard-trained and published neuroanatomist. Is she smart? Heck yeah. But she also has a remarkable healing journey of her own. Her memoir, My Stroke of Insight, documented her experiencing a severe hemorrhage in the left hemisphere of her brain back in 1996, which caused her to lose the ability to walk, talk, read, write, or recall any of her life. It took her eight years to recover, and her book has spent 63 weeks on the New York Times nonfiction bestseller list, and it's still routinely the number one book about stroke on Amazon. She's now releasing a new book called Whole Brain Living, The Anatomy of Choice, and The Four Characters That Drive Our Life. Yes, she is a brilliant scientist, but she writes in such a beautiful way that will be totally digestible and understandable by lay people like you and me. Love this conversation and I love her. So now, Dr. Jill Bolte-Taylor. Thank you so much for, for coming on today. I'm so excited to be with you, Kelly. Thank you. For any of the listeners who have not watched your TED Talk, you give detail count of, of this stroke that you had. And as a neuroanatomist, you had the Awareness and wherewithal to like really understand what was going on in your brain at that time. So I encourage everybody if you haven't watched the TED Talk, go get the details there. But we've moved on. This is however many years later, and you have so many insights from your your own healing journey. It took you eight years, and what I find fascinating is, had you not had that background of neuroanatomy um, and being a neuroscientist, maybe you would have not known that you were able to heal. You knew you had the tools and the knowledge of like, okay, I know how my neurons and neuroplasticity works. I can do this. Can you just walk us through a little bit of your healing journey and, and what that, what commitment and, and, you know, mindset that took?
1: Well, thank you. And, you know, on the morning of the stroke, my mother describes me as a breathing body in the bed. I had no ability whatsoever. And she was shocked because she was told that I was stable. And she thought stable meant, I was 37 at the time. She thought that meant I'd be sitting up. I would have a little bit of language and I would certainly be able to engage with her. And she walks into the room and I am nothing. I have nothing. I have no understanding of anything. And her heart just just did what a mother's heart would do. And it's like she saw me. And the only thing that she could think of to do, to now that I had become essentially an infant in a woman's body, was to pull up the sheet, crawl in bed with me, wrap her arms around me, and start rocking her baby. Because she said there was nothing else for me to do. And that's where we began again. But during the process of recovery, I believed in the ability of the brain to recover. Uh, I loved neurons, the primary cell of the brain. I believe in neuroplasticity, the ability of neurons to communicate, rearrange which other cells they're communicating with. And Gigi, my mother, would just watch me and identify what she would perceive as the next obstacle to me taking that next step to growth and learning. And because on the stroke, on the morning of the stroke, I lost my left hemisphere, but I still had a right hemisphere. And the right hemisphere is a right here, right now machine, bringing in all the modalities of our sensory systems and exploding into uh, an enormous collage of what this moment smells and tastes and feels like. So I was still conscious and I was capable of learning. I simply had no past and no future. So it really was through the nurturing love of my mother who, who just paid very close attention to what could I do today that I couldn't do yesterday. And she She would remind me uh, and I would hear her talking on the phone and she was so, so pro and so, so constructive and sharing with my family and friends, you know, she couldn't do this last week and she can do that now. So I kept hearing this repetition that I was getting better. I was succeeding. Things were working and the value of sleep. I just, I cannot say enough wonderful things about the power of sleep because sleep is the time when i would literally be awake for maybe 20 minutes and then i would sleep for another 12 hours and then i'd be awake for for maybe maybe 25 minutes and and i kept pushing it until i shifted my cycle to a six-hour cycle and my mother was available to nurture that process so you know the medical mi- miracle if you will but but really it it's the ability of this magnificent organ, it wants to heal. It wants to get better. The neurons want to make new connections. So how do we get ourselves out of our own way physically, emotionally, spiritually, cognitively? How do we get ourselves out of our own way so that we can heal?
0: I love that. And I I think that not only applies to the brain, but that's how the entire body is designed, and I know you believe that, and it just gives so much hope to like a. You have to know it's possible, which you're a living, breathing example of what's possible. You have to have the support, like Gigi, to nurture you through it. And and it sounds like you know the sleep and the the process. It's almost like if you're going through that intense healing, whether it's of the brain or you know anything else in your body that sleep and rest is is kind of like what the baby did in the womb. You need to have that environment so that your body can have the energy to rebuild and repair. So thank you for sharing that. So you have a new book coming out. It's called Whole Brain Living, The Anatomy of Choice. And I just want to encourage everybody out there because, you know, I admittedly got Intimidated, you know, uh, preparing to interview a Harvard neuroanatomist. You know, little old me, not a scholar. And the way you put this information into the world is so beautiful. You you have a science background, but then you have this spiritual awakening, kind of through the stroke, where your right brain was, you were connected with the oneness because your left brain was shut off. Your linear time brain was shut off. And so you combine that personal experience with your science background, and you're so funny, but you describe, you put it in layperson's terms where we can, and give us practical tools and an understanding of how our brain works. That really is like a self-help on steroids. I mean, you really are giving us tools to personal growth and freedom. So can you tell us a little about What you discovered or or what you're presenting in the book is you you call it the four characters of the brain. And we've all heard the right and left hemisphere. The right brain is creative. The left brain is linear and logic and rational. But now there's two more. Now there's four characters. Can Can you kind of just give us an overview and break that down for us?
1: Sure, when we think about the anatomy of the brain, we th- we think exactly what you said. The right hemisphere is creative and in the present moment, and the left brain is rational and linear, and it has language, and that is true. However, when you look at the anatomy of the brain, The emotional system is evenly divided between the two hemispheres. And the difference between a reptile and a mammal is the addition of this new tissue that is our limbic system. And this is our emotional system tissue. And it's bilateral, we have some in each hemisphere. And then the difference between a human and most mammals is the addition of new higher thinking tissue on top of that emotional tissue. So when I lost my left hemisphere, I lost both the left emotional and left thinking modules of cells. They just went totally offline. And But what I was left with when they went offline was they lost all inhibition off of my right hemisphere so I could experience what is going on in my right hemisphere. And I realized that there are two very different characters that are related to my right emotional tissue and my right thinking tissue. And my right emotional tissue is very present, very collective, very friendly, uh, has a, a great sense of humor, and it's connected to people. It wants to play with other people. It's my tribe. It's our tribal collective thinking. I want to work in a committee. I want to work in a group. I want to I play with my friends. I want to be engaged. I want to do things in groups. And I want to be outside. I want to be in the present. It's joyful. Or it's uh, fight, flight and you know alarm and an explosive alarm so but it's everything right here and then the thinking portion is as I shifted away from the left hemisphere on the morning of the stroke I shifted into this incredible sense of peaceful euphoria and I felt as though I was as big as the universe and that I was connected to all that is and my there was no separation between me and my perception of Call it God, call it the infinite being, call it the universal consciousness, because there's a small group of cells in the parietal region of the left hemisphere that defines the boundaries of where we begin and where we end. It's a holographic image that we have of ourselves. And when that left hemisphere went offline and that that holographic image of where do I begin and where I end disappeared... I was no longer confined to the structure of my image of myself. So I was vast and open and expansive. So that's what I gained. And whenever whenever you meet someone who has had any kind of a trauma, it's not just what have they lost, but in the absence of what is now gone, what inhibition is missing? So what have they gained? And it's a completely different way of looking at people who have brain trauma or who have really any kind of physical trauma, because we shift in relationship to what's going on in our health or in our wellness or in our illness. But anyway, so what I realized was that two parts of my personality had disappeared. One was the part of me that understood language. Uh, she was the alpha me. She she liked to control and organize, and and she was methodical and she was rational and she was thinking and she was a pretty good scientist. And she was gone. But I also, I lost all the emotional pain from my past, and that was actually a real big gift. <laughs> I have to say, but in order to actually rebuild and recover the functions of that left brain, I had to not just reactivate those modules of cells of my left emotional and my left thinking at an anatomical level, but when I did that, these characters, these personalities came back online. And I thought, oh my gosh, there's four of us in here and we are anatomically structured to have two emotional brains and two thinking brains so what the book does is it trains you to understand who are these four characters because in any moment they're all kind of f- vying for the microphone and you know my, my my one side might want to come in and I want to be playful and I want to have a good time and then my my you know left hemisphere character one comes in and she says oh no this is professional we have to be professional we have to like you know clean up and look nice and you know use sound smart and all that and then uh, and yeah so but they're all in there together. And so we have this perception of ourselves that we're one person, but we're not. There are four very specific characters. And as soon as we really understand those four characters inside of ourselves, this is the anatomy of choice. So something happens in my environment and I can look at that and observe that now. And I can say to myself, Which of my four characters is it appropriate for me to engage in this moment? And this is the power to choose who and how we want to be moment by moment.
0: And that's pure personal freedom. Uh, Exactly. I wrote that down. Mastering the four characters so we can choose who and how we want to be regardless of circumstance.
1: Regardless of the external circumstances, I may not have any say in what's happening around me, something all of a sudden happens, but I have every say in how I respond or react to what is happening outside of me. We all have this ability. Because of this experience with stroke, I just became really clear on who's who inside of me. What does it feel like when that part is online and being dominant? And and then I can pick and choose moment by moment, which of those do I want to be? And it's lovely and it's freedom. And I know that you've read this book and I know it was, what, a month ago or so. So I'm dying to hear your stories because, oh
0: my gosh, isn't it fun? It's so fun. And it's so, as with anything that's like profoundly like changes your perspective or outlook on life, it's so simple it and is you, so easy. You break it down. And we've heard, I'm sure most of, you know, people listening are on some sort of healing journey or personal realization, personal yeah. growth. And so we all know about our wounded inner child. And now you give the neuroanatomical, you know, structure of this inner wounded inner child, which is our character too. It's the emotional body of our left hemisphere. And that is often the person that shows up when we get triggered. And and that is the person that we're seeing. That's the character that's coming out in in a lot of the people in the world right now, because there's a lot of fear, there's a lot of divisiveness, there's a lot of battle. And and there's such a beautiful thread through your book because you're saying, you know, we need to become aware of these four characters, these four cell groups of our brain so that we, and then we have the power to call up the more conscious, compassionate areas of our brains to lead with that conversation. And, And two things about this character too, which is basically our inner wounded child, you know? Um, you say that those cells can never mature. They have a purpose and they're going to stay that inner child, that vulnerable wounded child, if you will. And there's a, there's a evolutionary purpose for that so that they can be on alert for anything that may threaten us, right? And, um, and that may remind us of a painful moment in the past. And then you also said what is so brilliant is, you know, not only do we have our own four characters running our life, but any relationship we meet with, we're meeting with someone else's four characters. And if a character two meets another character two, there is no resolution. It's two scared parts of our brain that just want to be right to feel safe. So just having this awareness We'll transform relationships, how we show up in the world. I'm like <laughs> so excited for these tools.
1: You've been having fun with this you? <laughs> I have. Because I then love you're like,
0: it. oh wow, that's my character too coming through. Exactly. I'm, I'm exactly you know, and you then exactly. you have the power to be less reactive and go, oh, okay. now you have the, you know, the tools and the language to identify when you're being reactive and not responding. Yes. Which brings us to the the brain huddle. Yes. Which is the practical application of once you know that we have these four characters, it's a tool that can help us like if one is dominant and taking us down the wrong path, we can bring the four characters together and have a little huddle. Do you want to give us a little ditty about the brain huddle?
1: Sure. So so at any moment, they're all available. All four characters are in there. And, um, so right now in this moment, I can say to myself, okay, which of mine is dominant? Well, my character one is pretty much on because, you know, she's using language. She's being precise in what she's saying. She's teaching, she's paying attention, but you know, my little, my character three emotion in my right brain, she's, I call her Pigpen, and she's just my playful and, and you know we've played together on on working together before, so so you know she's just like can, can I talk? Can I talk? Can I talk? So, um, but at any moment in time, and and you're right, it is the character too. Uh, the emotion of our left brain, which is all of our pain from the past. So when that group of cells went offline for me, any trauma, any emotional pain I, I had had from my, for the first seven, 37 years of my life was gone. And it was like incredible emotional freedom. It was. It was just like, wow. But of course, then they like reset and, and I got a new one. I got a new character too. What's going on in these two hemispheres, think about this first is the right hemisphere, so so everything going on in the brainstem is in the right here right now. That's what's going on with reptiles, and it's pretty much on-off switches. I'm hungry, I eat, I'm not hungry anymore. I want to have sex, I have sex, I'm done with that. I'm thirsty, I have a drink, my brain tells me actually to stop drinking. So it's on-off switches. And then we have these two emotions. Well, the emotional tissue in the right brain stays right here in the present moment, because I need to know in the present moment if there's something coming at me that I need to protect myself from. So I'm alert to the present moment. The left hemisphere emotional tissue takes that the present moment experience and takes it into the past. And so our left brain actually steps out of the consciousness of our present moment experience. Well, the present moment is our space of joy and euphoria. Our right hemisphere is where our gratitude is, where we feel lifted and open and expanded. And this is where our joy, our inner joy is just that we're alive. And who doesn't want to be there, right? And then, but the left hemisphere, that little character is willing to, to bring in the information and step out of that relationship of the present moment, which is where euphoria is and say, does any of this information trigger a reactive response that some, I need to say no to something and push it away. Is there danger? Give me a reason to say no and my little character two in my left brain will say no and push it away. So it is designed to save our life. And it is true that both of those emotional groups of cells, they never mature. And this is why we can throw a fit at the end, at the age of, you know, whatever, uh, as adults, just like a two year old, because we're still wired for that. Yeah, I know how to throw a temper tantrum. Sure. You want to see it? Yeah. So, And, but our thinking brains come in and they meet, they mature. And so we actually have the ability to, to not simply be reactive, but to be able to look at our circuitry. And when we get emotionally triggered and with reactivity, it takes less than 90 seconds for something, a thought to stimulate an emotional circuit, to stimulate a physiological response, less than 90 seconds for me to think a negative thought have a negative emotion, run the physiological response, have it flood through me and flush out of me less than 90 seconds. But of course, we can all stay angry for much longer than 90 seconds, right? So we are are able to rethink that thought, re-stimulate that emotional circuit, re-stimulate that physiological response and just go on and on and on. And I mean, we can hold grudges for, you know, 20 years. Every time I think about that person from 20 years ago, I still stimulate the thought, stimulates the emotion, have that physiological response. I spit and spew and and say negative things and and off I go. So so that's more of the physiology. So but these creatures, the, these these characters inside of ourselves, um, have the ability. In this moment, you could easily identify your four characters. And the beauty of the brain huddle is that, especially if I'm feeling reactive, but really at any moment in time, if I'm at the beach and I'm looking out over the ocean and I'm feeling open and expansive and connected to to something that's greater than I am, and I'm just feeling an incredible sense of gratitude, I can take a brain huddle in that moment and make an assessment of what does it feel like? Who am I in this present moment and do I want more of this? And under those circumstances, I probably do. But let's say that something has happened and I feel triggered and emotionally reactive. So if my little character too gets triggered, then it's a really good time to do the brain huddle. And the brain huddle is when all four of the characters get called online and we actually have a huddle among all the different parts of me and we assess where are we, what's going on, who's here who's out there, as in who am I in relationship with in the immediate environment, and what do I want to happen next? And so for the brain huddle, I use the the acronym BRAIN, B-R-A-I-N, of course I would, and it begins with B for breath. Breath brings me automatically into the present moment, and right here right now is where you need to be because this is where our choices happen. We are living beings moment by moment. Bring your mind to the present. And we have this amazing capacity temporarily to put our mind now or to put it in the past or to put it in the future or put it into some intellectual task some somewhere else in, you know, physics or math or whatever. B is breath. Bring your mind to the present moment. Bring it to your body. B R is to recognize, pay attention, be alert to which character am I currently being and which other characters are in the room. Am I being my two? Okay, I know what my two feels like. Is the other person in their one, their two, their three, or the four? Did their two come in and try to pick a fight with my two? But just kind of like recognize what's reality right here with these characters. B-R-A is to appreciate the fact that I have four to pick from. And whoever's online and however I got into this moment, I appreciate all four of them because they all four serve me. And appreciate that that person also has four characters because if they're in there too and they come in and they want to pick a fight with me, I can recognize, well, they also have a character one and I know their character one and they also have a character three and I might be able to play with their character three and they have a character four and they do have a spirituality about themselves. So I appreciate that I have four and they have four. B-R-A-I is then inquire What is the next best move for me to make? Life is like a chess game. And these four characters are coming in and figuring out, how do I make my choices, the anatomy of choice, to choose in this moment? Okay, you come in as your little character too. You're not very happy with me. I can trigger right back. Sure, I know how to fight with you. I've been doing it for years, right? or it's like I can recognize that you're in pain because if you're in your character too, at the bottom of that is fear I'm not safe. So wh- how can I help support you so that you can feel safe in the environment? And I do I need to fix something with my character one? Do I need to just come in and support you and love you and nurture with your character four? Or do I need to invite you out for a tennis game and we can play together as my character three? So then N for B-R-A-I-N is navigate. And we're navigating moment by moment who, who do I want to be in this moment to match? Who are you? And if you're consciously aware that you have four characters too, and you're invested in your own emotional uh, accountability, then wow, what kind of a relationship can your four have with my four?
0: It's so, and I just, I think of Thanksgiving, you know, and a lot of people go home with their families and everybody loves their families, but they're in this like loop <laughs> when they get into an environment and, and all of a sudden, because of this environment, it reminds them of them past and there's relationships and, and it's just a bunch of character twos showing up to buttheads, you know, and my character two is right about my political party and dad's character too is so right about his political party. And so to have this awareness, then you yeah. can literally make that conscious choice to go, okay, you know what? Recognize that it'll be easy to trigger your character two, but you're going to go in with your three and four dominant.
1: And you say, okay, that was your two, you know, uh, uh, siblings' rivalries. I mean, it's like, you know, you're exactly right. You go back to the Thanksgiving table and all of a sudden I'm the little sister again. You know, it's like, I'm an accomplished woman in the world, but no, I become instantaneously the little sister. And it's like, rah, rah. and so, so, but it, it is, it's fascinating. And then once you know this material and you learn it about yourself, you cannot unsee it. And then you start noticing it in other people, and you're going, "Wow, you know, I I love this person. They're such a magnificent one." Or, or, "Wow, you know, I, I hang out with this person because we're great threes together." You know, and it's like, "Oh yeah, I love that because I just you know that person just really stimulates my four because they're a four most of the time." And it's beautiful. It's how do we balance? We you know we've been looking for decades. How do we balance our lives? And this is how one way that we can do it. Because if we can actually, and it's really not a balance between work and your our non-professional life, it's a balance inside of me. And if I can figure out how to bring my character three and my character four, my playful and open and curious and interested part of me to work, then I have a different level of satisfaction and groundedness while I'm at work. And that's a completely different person going home than if I'm just in my rigid character one or I'm stuck in my character two because I'm unhappy about something or I want to and rah, and, uh, and, and then, yeah, I mean, it's uh, uh, every situation becomes a character experience.
0: Yes. Oh my gosh, exactly. And just knowing when we get triggered that our inner child, that character two, that wounded, scared part of us just wants to be held and, and you have three other parts of yourself that can hold that and, and pivot out of it, whether it's, you know, you got to bring in character one, which is you call Helen. I would probably call Patty because that's my lawyer's name. Um, <laughs> but they like they they just get shit done. And, you know, yeah. they're yeah. so they can so solve exactly. problems in a very rational like task way, or we need to just bring in our character four, which is this nurturing, loving cosmic consciousness that can just hold space for that character. So it's just so cool that we really do have all the tools within our own brain.
1: We do. And and I think that that's probably the most important relationship is when our little two becomes triggered and we don't feel safe. We simply don't feel safe in the world. Character one can come online and fix it and say, is there anything that is threatening physically? Are there steps I can take to make sure we're safe physically? And then character four can come in and say, you are not alone and you are loved and you have the rest of us as your backup team. And we can learn to self-soothe ourselves in this relationship between our own character four and our character too. And anybody who has that, that I think is probably the greatest gift of this material is instead of, of being reactive in my character too and not feeling safe and feeling fear or feeling anger. And then from that level comes all these different, call it racism, call it controlling dominance, call it mean, call it bullying, call it all these things that are going on in our society we are wired, every ability we have, we have because we have brain cells that are performing that function. So I am wired to be racist. We all have this racism inside of ourselves, but we also have have the counter of that, which is kindness. And so I do get to choose how I view myself in relationship to the external world. And I can look with my left brain and focus on the differences and the details of those differences, be it the color of your skin, be it the kinds of food you eat. And so as a result of that, there, the scent, because our foods go through our skin, the color of your hair, the whatever, your academic whatever, you know, all of this, you're, 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 everything I can, I can judge negatively. Everything in that hierarchy of where where does someone else stand and where do I stand and and they're different from me and so I'm scared from them and so I I want to push away. It's that little character two saying no, but the little character three comes on and says, "You are different from me. I'm curious. I'm curious about about the foods you eat and the spices you use. I'm curious about your religion. I'm curious about." A B C D whatever, and that's a choice that we can make. We have the power to make that choice. So when someone comes in and says, "Well, you know, you know, this is who I am, and this is all I am, and blah 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 blah," it's like, no, there's so much more. We are so much more rich at a um, uh, neurological level than we've ever been taught, and we have so much more power over what's going on inside of our brains than we've ever been trained.
0: And it's so interesting. It sounds to me, because there's this epidemic of depression, anxiety, suicide, mental health disorders, Um, then there's also coupled with this divisiveness, this otherness, this separation, whether it's political, racial, gender. And so it seems like we have a left dominance that is kind of causing all sorts of issues. And is that accurate? I mean, depression and anxiety are stuck in the future and the past, is, you know, on that loop of of fear, regret, resentment, guilt, shame, et cetera, or anticipating a a worst case scenario in the future. You're stuck in linear time. And and how do we cultivate more of the balance and bringing that right brain? I mean, your book covers so much. You even do this like brilliant sociological breakdown of the generations and their personality traits and which characters are dominant in, in their for the last hundred years, it's like from right. World War, you know, one babies to, you know, Gen Y now or Z or wherever we are now. So how do we come back and, and bring more compassion? I mean, it just seems to be like we all have the tools. We just need now right. the roadmap to right. turn on and activate and and do less left hemisphere thinking and feeling and more right hemisphere thinking and feeling.
1: Yeah. You know, it's, you're absolutely right. We have been skewed to the left and it really was the boomers and I'm a boomer, so I can say this, but it's the boomers. uh, We were taught that we can be anything. And our parents are, were, you know, World War II people and they saved the planet for us. And then, and then we won, you know, so that we're speaking English and they started building a society. And, but they themselves were very. Balanced between their two hemispheres because they had family values. And even though they were building an economy with their left brains, they were family based values. And the world that they were building was in balance with the family value of keeping that family together. And then as the boomers came on, we were taught, trained, you know, we can have anything, we can do anything, we can be anything. And then we started. Really grasping into the, the external. Value of things, and so we we wanted more money. We wanted the bigger house. We wanted the boat. We wanted to win the trip. We we were willing to put in sixty to eighty hours a week and and wear those those dark eyes, you know, as our badge of honor. And that was that was how we shifted into this real real serious value structure of the external world, where the right the the value structure of our parents was much more balanced with the family value and we come from our hearts and we build a world where the boomers just kind of flew off into the the left brain. So now we're in this world where we are skewed to the value structure of, of the left and the, the you know the the structure of the left is hierarchical. So so I know where I am on that 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 ladder, you know where you are on that ladder under a hundred different categories and we we're, we're all climbing trying trying to throw you off the ladder because I want your position, you know? So competition comes in and and all these other parts of ourselves. And then it's like, well, how do I self-promote myself more than you promote yourself? And it becomes about I, me, mine, and my family, and my team, and my tribe, and my political party. And we've just skewed ourselves at a value structure in this country so that we don't even recognize you know, one another. So so I, I think that I I you know, I think the timing of this book is really perfect. Because of the pandemic, we have been pushed off off the ladders and pushed into our, our houses. And so people are now reflecting. And looking at their lives a little bit differently. Parents have had their kids, more time with their kids. Partners have had more times with partners. Um, People are looking at their lives very differently than they did before. People are moving out of the big cities and spattering into the countrysides. So the world has shifted. And I think that the more we focus on what is best for our community, how do we rebuild community. And community is now becoming so important. So I think that this kind of material where people learn who who is that then? And what does it mean for me to have these right brain skills? What does it value? And it values the we, while the left brain values the me and I and mine. And those are completely different levels of consciousness. So um, uh, to me, you know, I'm an educator, so I'm an academic. And to me, education about our brain and, and the beauty of this material, I think, is it's the first paradigm that takes the neuroanatomy of the brain and marries the psychology that the anatomy produces. So it's not just an, uh, another idea, no, it is anatomically based. We each have two emotional systems and we have two thinking systems. And that's why we experience inner conflict because if part of me is saying, "I want to take that new job because I'm going to make a lot more money." And and I got to move and I got to do this and I got to do that and my right hemisphere is saying, "You know, I want my kids to be happy and my kids are happy and they feel safe in this environment. And so that to me is worth that instead of making that extra money. So when we have those kinds of inter-emotional, internal conflicts, it's because they're actually two separate modules of cells with different values. And I think as soon as we understand that, it really starts helping us better understand the anatomy of the choices we're making. And we will make better choices in order to live the
0: life we want to live. Amen. Yeah. You say a healthy society is made up of healthy brains in communication with one another. A healthy brain is made up of healthy cells that are in communication with each other. So if we can learn that cellular, it is, it's the micro and the macro. And so for things like, I mean, you just, I'm now looking at these mental health disorders in a whole new light. You know, kids are ADHD, depression, anxiety, and I know it has to do with technology and this introduction to technology and this, there's so much to be said, but I'd love your take like Like something like OCD, is it just your character two is stuck in a loop or something? Do you look at it as characters or? So when you look at the severe mental illnesses, it's not so much even
1: normal health, normal mental health is based on the four characters. So um, but something like OCD is a group of cells that are on loop. And so, and so it's like, uh, did I check that lock? Did, did I check that lock? Did I check that lock? So that's an extreme case. Depression, chronic depression is also an extreme case because there are a lot of different reasons for depression. We might have a group of cells inside of our brain that are not active and um that's generally in the the right hemisphere if they're not active then we can mm, really move into a, a real chronic clinical depression i may be depressed because uh i just you know had a death in my family or something has happened uh so a a circumstantial so this and then schizophrenia is is a cellular Issue, Multiple personality is a cellular issue that we don't really understand. Not that we really understand schizophrenia, but we do much more than pr- multiple personality. So I do want to say that as we're talking about these four characters, this is very different, completely different from multiple personality disorder, which is a pathological problem at the l- level of the cells. But I think that as we look at depression or we look at society or we look at a drug addiction alcoholism when we look at any of that we do know where the craving cells are inside of the insular cortex which is deep inside of that character two circuitry so in the book there is actually a, a chapter that is dedicated to what is uh, an addiction at the level of the brain how do we rescue ourselves using the four characters and uh, I compare that also to the 12 step program of AA. And ultimately, it turns out to be the same steps at the level of the brain as the hero's journey. So, um, you know, to me, this brain is just this incredible masterpiece and things that work, behaviors that work, work because it's having an impact on the circuitry of our brain. And some things we can relate directly back to what's going on with these four characters and how do I use the information of the four characters to change my behavior or my relationship even with a drug, when I understand which character is engaged in that addiction and when people actually rescue themselves Uh, from an addiction, what's going on in the other characters of their brain. So uh, the book is really kind of all over the map uh, on these kinds of subjects. Uh, You know, I I really feel like my stroke of insight, the first book that I wrote was, uh, had to be written because here you had a brain scientist who had a stroke and rebuild her brain. Okay, that was big news. We can rebuild our brain. Great. You know, we're capable of recovering. But I truly feel like this book is the reason why I survived and the gift that I am supposed to bring to the world.
0: I just love this material. I love it too. And you say it's all over the map, but you hit on like the most profound and important topics. I mean, you talk about how to, for intimate relationships, you know, how to, it's kind of like the love languages, but uh, from the neuroanatomical standpoint of the four characters.
1: Exactly as well as health and our relationship with our body. I love that chapter because each of the four characters has a different relationship with with our body and views our ability to heal our body differently. So for people who actually do successfully find healing, which part of their brain are they using and which parts of their brain are they making sure are not getting in the way of us healing ourselves because the little character too you know for me she's the little doubter and she's like oh my gosh you know I've got a problem and da, da 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 so 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 the fear becomes so big that I can't wrap my arms around the i the mere concept that I could heal from this and then I just I go further and further and 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 you know when a character too is looking for negative in the world to support its own negativity it's going to find it everywhere but so is our holy character for the part of ourselves that that feels like gratitude inside of ourselves and is oh in, a, in a, is open to all the possibilities of healing is a reality and 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 what do I need to do in order to set myself up as a character for to be open to the possibility of letting that positive healing energy come and help me heal. How do I work with that? And then how can my character one come online and and really say you know I need to pay attention and find that balance. And if I'm work, 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 and I'm hooked into my stress circuitry of my left brain with my character one and character two, that's only going to fuel an illness inside of me. So it's all these four characters and their interplay and the relationship in who and how do I want to be under different circumstances.
0: And that's so true. I mean, we talk about holistic healing a lot on this podcast and in the film and the book and it's recognizing that there's these four characters and in order to heal, I would imagine that they have to holistically be working together on the same team, you know, and character two again has its role where you don't want to just like go off character three and and just play your way with greens juice and not follow any sort of, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> regimen, but it, it's, yeah. it's having that balance of like, okay, my character one is going to get stuff done. I'm going to commit, I'm going to have a schedule. I'm going to be very disciplined in my treatment. Character three is going to make sure that you're still having fun and you're, and one is not taking over to the point of stress and rigidity. Character four is going to help you surrender to the higher power and say, you know, and character two is just going to be vigilant going, hmm, that what that doctor said didn't resonate with me based on this last thing. I'm going to find a new doctor or whatever. So it's, bringing, it's integrating those four so that you have the best brain power and chance for, for healing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, uh, having healed my own brain, getting out of your own way emotionally is I think just probably the biggest, the biggest concern. And, and that little character too, just wants to feel sorry for itself. It wants to doubt the wisdom of the doctors. It wants to question anybody who questions anything it you know it's just it's just the pushback 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 nothing's good and, and that kind of routine is unhealthy for the body and isn't it lovely that we have these other characters who can reach in and come online especially our own character four and say we are love I mean it, to me I, I I look at at these four characters as a braid of consciousness a braid of four different consciousnesses all weaved together. And so we have the perception that we are one consciousness, but no, these are different threads and they feel differently inside of our body. They have different skill sets. They resonate at different vibrations. And we can learn and identify all four inside of ourselves and realize, oh my gosh, I have so much more power than I was ever taught.
0: Yes. Oh my goodness. Um, you say something in the book that to me kind of defines a new, you know, to have faith in something bigger. It's just so nebulous and it, it's, it's hard to put your finger on or it doesn't feel grounded or substantiated when you're p- surrendering to God or praying to God or begging and beseeching God or the universe or whatever terms you use. The
1: begging but, or beseeching. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Those be different characters. Good. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Uh, But you say, I trust that God has a bigger—God, the universe, life, you know. um, I trust that God has a bigger picture view of my life than my left brain will ever understand. When I surrender my problems to God, the universe, life, etc., I'm not shucking responsibility. I am merely shifting my perspective and choosing peace over fret and fear. I love that because you're, again, getting down to the neuronal, I don't know what the proper term is, down to the anatomy of the way our cells are wired in our brain and go, we have a choice here. And I want to come out of fear and stress and survival and into peace and the character of my, the fourth, you know, right thinking brain. And that cosmic consciousness, that connected oneness. And it, just to have the power of that choice, you know, so it's just so beautiful. It's like, and your left brain will never, it'll always think you're separate. It'll always think that there's threats. And, and but we have the ability to shift into this other consciousness and feel connection, be at peace, be okay with whatever is happening.
1: Yeah. You know, that's, uh, that's beautiful. I, I'm so glad you read this book. Uh, you're doing a great job with it you know because because that the left brain has that I I am an individual and as soon as I am an individual, I'm alive and if I'm alive I'm vulnerable to threat. I can be hurt or I could be killed. So the left brain goes on this vigilance of anything coming in that I need to push away from and it might be uh, an emotional, Push away. It might be a spiritual push away because of of I may reject religion or I may reject the, the even the language spirituality or or even you know I have no relationship with that character for part of myself. But we're wired for it. And what I what I always encourage people to do is is when you're on that journey trying to let go of the the past and the future and really just focus on the present moment. The ego is going, no, 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 I'll die, I'll die. I have to, you know, don't 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 listen to those people. You know, that's all bad and woo-woo. No. And it's like, no, it's okay. And you know, you're just setting it aside for a moment. I mean, it can come back online like this. It's not like you're killing it. It's like it's like I'm exploring the present moment. I'm exploring a different level of consciousness inside of myself where I can pursue peace. And and imagine the world that we will have when we all know how to access our own personal peace. Because you cannot give me peace. And only I can give me that sense of peace. And to know that I'm wired for that peace and there's a journey that I can ident- take and identify without giving up anything, it's in addition to my left brain. Uh, t- to me, it's like, how how do whole brain living? How do we embrace the whole brain and all the parts of who we are? And, and we really... It, it, to me, it's just freedom, you know, and it's fun and it's interesting. And isn't it true now that now that you know the four characters, you're wishing everybody you knew knew their four characters? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like, boy, you are such a three right now. It's like, oh, honey, you are a two. You know, <laughs>
0: it'll be it'll be good for your book because I'm going to start doling them out to people. Just order <laughs> I, hundreds.
1: I, uh, you know, I just love it because it's like once people know it, it's like uh, you know um, they start wanting to give it. To their children, they're giving it to their parents, they're giving it to their partners, they're giving it to the people at work, and and if if anything else, it's you know you're identifying the elephant in the room so that there is no more power to the elephant, and people again realize that okay, if I'm really in my fill and I'm unhappy, it only takes ninety seconds for me to really feel that, really nurture that, really go into that and then let it go. It's out of my blood. I can come back to the present moment. And I might have walked into this office feeling like, rah, 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 rah. but you know, I have the power to let myself shift into the present with these people who they don't really want to interact with my two any more than I do, you know? So it's, it's, uh, it's an emotional and, and, and it's the evolution of our brains we are evolving to use all of these characters. That's why we have them. We do, you know, and right now we're not there yet. Right now, politically, uh, from every, so many perspectives, we're in this major division. But with this kind of information, we start doing a, a reciprocation of power and relationship inside of ourselves. And I truly believe whole brain living is the evolution of humanity. And here's a tool. And there are probably others, but here's a
0: tool. Use it. An important tool. And you you quote uh, Gandhi in, in the book, and it says, uh, you know, no one can hurt me without my permission. And if you think of Gandhi and Nelson Mandela and Martin Luther King Jr. and all of these, you know, peace revolutionaries of peace, it's clear that they were in whole brain living. They were operating from their, you know, characters yes. for Yes. And with were with a strong one, but they were coming yeah. in with love. And yeah,
1: they come in with love. And and you know, I truly believe that our number one job is to love one another. That's what we're doing here, and then we have all these circuits inside of our brain that make us a bit nuts, and mm-hmm. and and you know, and then we're on the push away, and then we're on the division, and then we're 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 yelling at each other, and and you know, I like to use this metaphor of the tree, where our thoughts and our emotions and all of that, rah, 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 the output of what we are, those are the the limbs and the leaves way up here, but if you really want to heal a problem on a tree, you're going to go to the roots. Go to the anatomy. Go to the cells. Understand we have these four different modules of cells, two emotional and two thinking. And we have the power to choose moment by moment which one we want to be. So, you know, we we may behave and scream that we're racist or we might, might bigotry, whatever, all of it. But that's not what matters. What matters if we want to heal it is go to the anatomy and learn the four characters and embody those four characters and take
0: responsibility for your own four characters and you will find peace. And I think a lot of this conflict and fear and stress, there's this, you know, existential fear of death. And, and you say in your book, like nobody, nobody is going to escape this lifetime alive. You know, we're all going to die. And you have this beautiful, two really profound stories in the the book, and and you'll have to pick them up to read it. But if you just want to share one last kind of insight about, you've you've used this awareness of this four characters to help you gracefully help two loved ones, a a good friend and, and Gigi, your mother, transition. And just so beautiful and profound to have that. Can you just share any insights related to grief and transition and either through the specific story or just, just something that we can all kind of walk away from this with?
1: Yeah. When you think about when we are first conceived as that original egg cell and that sperm coming together, and we are that one cell at that level, there is a membrane separating what is outside of us from what is inside of us, but it's all energy. And we eventually, over the course of nine months, we're going to multiply that little, in a, that original zygote cell at a rate of 250,000 cells per second, not per minute, but per second, 250,000. So it is an energy ball. And this energy just multiplies and multiplies and multiplies and cells, they kind of differentiate themselves and they refine themselves as a little different. And you're going to get a liver cell and you're going to get a brain cell. You're gonna get a skin cell, but it is it is just a ball of energy, and that energy is the shared energy of the universe. So we have inside each cell of our body the consciousness of the universe, we are not separate from it we are one with it and then there's this tiny little group of cells in our left brain that says, well no, this is me, this is I, this is all I am, no, I am this energy collection around these beautiful 50 trillion cells as a human as a human being, so that is the consciousness of my character four, that is like the portal, if you will that connects me to everything from which I came. So we are at the core of who we are. We are this magnificent, beautiful character four that is good with the celebration of, oh my gosh, I exist at all. And you exist at all. And we think we can communicate with one another at all. And you know how much we actually communicate, that's debatable, but we won't go there. But anyway, so here I am. I'm this consciousness of the character four. You're the consciousness of the character four. And then you build on top of that the emotional circuitry of the character three which then gives an emotional reactivity to the present moment and you add also to that the the cellular structure of the character two and that's going to take me into a completely different consciousness in another time and place of the past and the future and then you add on top of that this magnificent character one tissue that allows us to structure and organize and create order and be methodical and have be linear and have a laying and have a me and an I and an identity. And all of a sudden, we're this magnificent, confused human being, And but we're beautiful. And so what happens with death? What happens as those cellular circuitry? Because again, this is the difference between life and no life. And it's that single membrane of, of what is beyond us and what is within us. And as human beings, we look at the skin as that membrane between what is beyond us and what we are as life. And so as that left brain begins to shut down and the character one is no longer being able to create order in the external world, and it becomes silent, and that the emotional tissue of that left brain and all the pain of our past releases itself because we are now moving toward no longer being alive. And the, the right brain emotion goes offline because we're no longer engaged in the external, what do we do? We essentially dissolve back into that consciousness of the character four, which is the love of all that is. It's the love of the universe. And to know that we're wired this way and that we just have all this other very loud, very verbal, very what judgmental, very what complex and complicated and confused on top of that peaceful beauty that exists within us all the time and that we actually have the ability to consciously choose the silent characters 1 2 and 3 to become at one with all that is and then to know that at the time of our transition that's what we evolve back toward to me it's a beautiful it's a beautiful cycle of life it's a beautiful cycle of life and and so i view death as this beautiful beautiful gift uh life is this incredible opportunity to stimulate and be stimulated by just like a single cell i mean what's a single cell nothing but a single membrane with little receptors so it can be stimulated by what's outside of it and 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 then stimulate and h- interact with the external world and we're no different we just are 50 trillion co- of complication on top of it but this masterpiece we are this magnificent masterpiece of life you know, and then it slows itself down and we rewind ourselves back into that total grace of God. Yeah, to me, it works.
0: Hey, well, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I I am buying into that program, but I I totally agree. And it's, thank you for articulating it in that way. Um, And it's just, it's so beautiful. And Oh, I just encourage everybody to read your new book, Whole Brain Living. It's out uh, May 11th and it just gives us the tools to personal freedom, grace, and to, again, just this opportunity of life to just, we are in this body um, with all these amazing senses and, and ways to be stimulated and, and that's what the purpose is. So thank you for the tools to keep our sanity along that journey. <laughs> And uh, it's always such a pleasure to talk with you. I just love your spirit. And um, yeah, hopefully we can do this again sometime. Perfect.
1: Thank you. And you know, it's when we move into a sense of gratitude for what we have and what we are simply in the simplicity of that space, that's, you know, just the beauty of what we are. And, And that's a choice. It's always a choice. So I'm grateful for you, Kelly. Give that book to the people who you want to like Now have that conversation with because it, it will change your relationships and they will be grateful as well.
0: Thank you for listening to The Heal Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday to hear more empowering wisdom and inspiring healing stories. Oh, and make sure you subscribe so you don't miss that one episode that holds the answer you've been searching for. Follow us on Instagram for some behind the scenes fun and more inspiration at @healdocumentary Heal Documentary and at Kelly Goris. Take care and be well.